Welcome to the 39th episode of the Turf Talk Young Turfs podcast presented by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's show, we'll talk about the sad passing of Jordan McNair, a lot of Turf NBA news, and finally, Maryland's move to the Big Ten, or should have they stayed in the ACC? Yep, um, not as full a show as with current news, at least, but we're still excited for it. Yeah, let's start off with the not-so-happy part. Jordan McNair, the Maryland football player that became ill during a team workout, has passed away. That happened on Wednesday. Since then, a lot of donations have come into the family, which has now stopped. The GoFundMe page is no longer active. And it's definitely going to put an interesting twist on the season. Yeah, it's a very somber twist. Um... I don't know what else to say about this, but our prayers and condolences out to their family, and um, I guess we... they got to move on. they got to make this, you know, something that makes them stronger. I'm sure that's what Jordan would have wanted. It just makes it harder to see football in the way they do when one of the teammates goes down. Yeah, I think it puts everything in perspective, you know. When it comes boils down to it, you know, the games aren't really that important compared to some of the other stuff that happens in life. Yeah, and that's really all we can say. Um, as we get closer to football, we'll get to see how the team reacts and really how they move on. But I'm sure they'll come out stronger. Yeah, we can only hope so. On to the Maryland basketball team and the Terps in the NBA. Jared Nickens works out with the 76ers, but Jared Nickens in the NBA, I don't really see it. Um, neither do I. He um, certainly struggled for the latter career with Maryland. But um, DeMonte Dodd, you know, made it, was playing for the Northern Arizona Suns last season, so who knows what will happen. Yeah, maybe somebody will give him a chance. That's all he can hope for. Kevin Herter has had an injury to his hand, though, according to Jordan and a lot of mock drafts, it won't matter. SI 19 to the Hawks, Bleacher Report. Has been going 20 to the Timberwolves, ESPN 21 to the Jazz, just sounds like I'm counting up, and CBS 24 to the Blazers. According to our beliefs, he will not fall beyond 29, Jordan. Well, a lot of people close to the Lakers organization believe that Kevin Herter was made a promise by the Lakers organization that if he was there, he would be drafted in the first round. But just looking at some of these fits, 19 to the Hawks... The Hawks do not have any major building pieces at the moment. Schroeder, Schroeder, Bazemore. Uh, Torian Prince, John Collins, and that's kind of it at the moment. The so Herder could fit there. Timberwolves, Wiggins. Wiggins. Cat. W- yeah, their core Wiggins, Cat, Jimmy Butler. They don't, ha- they don't have a lot of depth in the wings, so he could certainly slide in there. They definitely need some outside shooting. I don't know if that's... The Jazz is where I want to see him, though. Along with Donovan Mitchell really getting a chance to become a starter. Took the word right out of my mouth, and you know you took the word right out of my mouth. Yes, I have long praised that he could fit in very well as maybe a pseudo point guard with the Jazz or Donovan Mitchell. Boy, no point guard. No. No. He is not a spot up shooter. I don't think that's his future in the NBA. I don't either, but he's no point guard. Well, Donovan Mitchell can also play point guard. He played a lot of point guard this year, and for Rubio's contract extent expiring soon, I think he could, they could work well in the backcourt together. 24 to the Blazers, obviously C.J. McCullough, star shooting guard. Damian Lillard, star point guard. He's a bench player there. 
Well, Terry Slots, the Blazers head coach, does not generally play rookies. Also, interestingly, on the Blazers front, Steve Blake is assistant coach there. Jake Lehman's a backup wing there. They certainly, there's certainly some Maryland connection going on. And then, of course, the Lakers, we already talked about that. Well, the Lakers are an interesting situation because they're the biggest wild card this offseason NBA. Yeah, talks of LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard being there, or, you know, of course, they already have Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. Josh Hart, the shooting guard there. Yeah, they got a lot of pieces. It's just really, is anybody going to be able to put them together? Herder, I think, would fit in there, but it's hard to say with all this prospects that they have. Well, whatever the case is, given that he, as we said, he tore his ligaments in his hand, which means he will be out for the majority of the summer league, he's not going to... There's a good chance he'll be seeing a lot of G League time because he's going to miss summer league development time. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think that he's going straight to the NBA, even though it's quite possible that he could go to the G League. Well, I'm not saying he'll stay in the G League for a whole season, but I think he'll spend a couple weeks in there. I don't least. think so. I don't I don't qualify him as NBA ready right now. I do. Really? I think the scouts do. Well, why would you... We were discussing this earlier. What do you think his ceiling really is in the NBA? I think it's a solid starter that can really shoot can really flat-out play, but he's not really the new athletic type of the NBA. Well, I disagree with that part. I think he is actually very athletic. But I see him as a mid-to-low-level starter as a ceiling. I don't think he has the defensive chops cut in the NBA. I don't think... He never showed defensive, real defensive skill at Maryland, besides the one famous Georgetown block. Yeah, I'll agree with that, but who knows? It's the NBA. A lot of people develop in a lot of weird ways. That is certainly true. On to the man that did not develop. That's quite a segue. Mr. Alex Len. His contract is now up with the Phoenix Suns and the Arizona Republic. Says that given the talent on the roster, that the Suns will most certainly be drafting DeAndre Ayton. And that Alex Len's time in Phoenix will most likely be over. Oh, it's almost guaranteed at this point that the Suns have moved on from Alex Len. And... It's it's hard to see where he'll end up. He's a traditional center, and those are not in high demand these days. No, he's not. And given that in the past three years they've had three different coaches and the roster tur- turnover as they continue to tank and or sell, as the NBA likes to call it, there really isn't a lot of room for him here. You know, they're going to bring in a new prospect, and that's going to be who they're going to go with because they're not in a position where signing Alex Len seems to be beneficial, especially because his value is really, to me, unknown. Well, here's a quote from Alex Len from the Arizona Republic. The last two years, we've had three different coaches. The roster was changing every year. There was never really any consistency. It was like starting over every year. Yes, stability and consistency will be something I look forward to. Excuse me, something I definitely look forward for. So, I think that it's very possible that we see him going to contender like the Warriors or a pseudo-contender like the Thunder. I guess. I don't know why those teams would really want him. I don't really know what he's done. Well, he th- plays in such a non-factor team for the beginning of his career that seeing him in a place that's playing into June or even May or even April, even the end of April would be an accomplishment. For him to even get, like, a few games on ESPN. The Suns are just such a non-contender right now that judging Alex Len on a real, real, real basketball team is hard to say. I know that the Suns play in the NBA, but 
they're not there. Well, they are the worst team in the league. There was no debating that last season. And, yeah, it's kind of hard to gauge his value for real and his talent because he hasn't had surrounding talent. I mean, they're two... They're looking to vote around Josh Jackson and Devin Booker right now. But other than that, can you name... How many players can you name in the roster, Mason? Tyson Chandler still play there? I believe he does. Does... Yeah, this is a non-thing, but... Um, <laughs> just from playing 2K, not really from playing... Um, not what? really from watching the NBA. That's it. That's all I know about the Suns. But according to you... You don't think he's going to get more than the MLE, which is $5 million, which allows a team to go over the salary cap for one outside player. The, yeah, the mid-level exception, the MLE. Uh, I can't see him getting more than $5 million or $3.75 million if you're a taxpayer like the Wizards. I just It's hard for me to see any team. He might be in for a minimum contract and try to raise his value, for all I know at this point. I'm sure he'll be getting a team next year, but it's hard to see where. Oh, 100% he's going to be on a team. Oh, I don't know if he'll be in the rotation regularly. But 100% he's going to be on Yeah, he'll be on a team. I just don't know if he's a rotation player for real. We're going to find out, and he'll find out as well. Yeah, it's going to start with where the big-name centers go or the bigger-name centers. And then, you know, if he was a free agent when Jan Mahimi was, <laughs> I would rather have the Wizards be paying him, what is it, $15 million? 16. $16 million than Jan. Uh, that's another issue with Alex Len is, for those who don't follow the NBA... The NBA is in a real salary cap situation right now for a lot of teams because of some over-exuberant spending in the past. Not many teams have salary cap right now, so it's going to be even harder for them to get, you know, a big money contract. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it's all in relativi- relativity. It rotates from years where teams spend ridiculous amounts of money for players that would be considered worth nothing in the next coming years. Yeah, that's how it works, and unfortunately Alex is on the wrong end of that scale. And I don't want to, I, I really don't want to apply this label to him, but I think it's a fair debate to have at this point. Is Alex Len a bust? He went number five. Look, that draft as a whole isn't really that good. And I know you're going to come out with some player that was drafted 20th or 13th, but we're looking at the top 10 guys. He isn't that bad for that draft. He's not good either, per se, though. Like. That's, I think a bust for that draft is almost most of it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the weaker drafts. Or talking about the 2013 draft, for those who don't know. That's definitely one of the weaker drafts in recent memory. But I just... It doesn't mean he's not a bust. But to me, with the NBA, it's a year by year who's a bust, who's not. But yeah, he's close. He's getting there. If he doesn't really start producing anything, then yeah, he can be a bust. But that's... I think the jury's out on that one. So one more piece of news before we move on to our main feature... Kevin Anderson, our former athletic director, who is finally off sabbatical, if you haven't been looking at the news recently, is a finalist for the Fresno State athletic director job. Not a surprise. No, it's not really surprising. He's a Northern California guy. Um, this would definitely be a step down for him, though. Oh, well, obviously, from a Big Ten program to Fresno State. Right now, he's an interim guy at CS Northridge. I mean, it's a step up from that. Look, he wanted to go out to California to get a job. I wish him luck in doing that. This is a step towards that goal. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I guess that is kind of it. We'll, we'll talk about more if he actually gets the job. Now for the main debate of the day, the ACC to Big Ten move, we bring in a seasoned member of the Maryland time in the ACC, Wayne Viner. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me in. Uh, it's a, it's a, always a good topic uh, to talk about. Most people have been arguing about this for a few years. So uh, let's have at it. What's your format? So our format for the day is 
Jordan definitely thinks the ACC is better. I definitely think the Big Ten was a necessary move. We're not sure your stance is more comparing the two, so... Well, let's I, let's start with the numbers. I think we all represent different eras, too. Mason is very accustomed to the Big Ten era. I have, like, a kind of watered-down, weird view of the in-between ACC era. And we have a classic ACC member over here. Well, it was certainly a big deal, especially when Lefty came in from Davidson and resurrected, or created, is a better word, the Maryland program. It wasn't that big a basketball draw. Before that, the biggest crowds at Cole Fieldhouse was when Power Memorial High School with Lou Alcindor came in and played DeMatha. And then before that was the 1966 National Championship game when Texas Western beat Kentucky. But the place wasn't famous for Maryland games. When Lefty got there and the ACC was great, boy, it, it changed the way Maryland, the, the whole area, looked at college basketball. So you could go from one era early in the 70s when NC State became a power and David Thompson would come in and Carolina was really good. And you go forward a few years to the late 70s, Maryland's still a big power. Carolina on the rise, you get to your early 80s and the ACC versus at that time the Big East was the big battle. Uh, they didn't play each other that much, but they were both big on trying to get the fan base so you'd have one night when it was Michael Jordan who came in another night Kenny Anderson Georgia Tech goes to the final four so it, it was it was a great time to be there now the question that can't be answered or I don't like the answer I'm sure you can answer it is that that ACC was gone so when you talk about ACC to Big Ten for me I'm not talking about this ACC when it was Miami and Virginia Tech and Boston College. I'm talking about the ACC when you could go see uh, a Georgia Tech team that had Price as the point guard. You had Mark Price as a point guard. And the next night, you'd have Notre Dame come in. When Notre Dame was good with Digger Phelps, it, it was a much different era. And, uh, no, Notre Dame wasn't part of the ACC back then, but those were the type of games that we would have on a weekend. You could play Villanova, Notre Dame, and then the next week you have Georgia Tech and NC State. It was, it was just different, and I'm sorry that anybody who didn't get to see it didn't get to see it because that, that was true college basketball. Sorry, guys, not what you're seeing today. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. The ACC, to me now, has been officially ruined. Boston College, Louisville, Notre Dame, Pitt, Syracuse. And I don't really put Virginia Tech and Miami into that, but... Well, Miami and Virginia Tech are good most of the time now. But Syracuse, Pitt, and BC, to me, really did in the conference. Those people belong in a different conference. I, I disagree with you on Syracuse. I think Syracuse has kind of always belonged in the ACC, especially when you factor in football. But that's a different debate. Come on, man. An upper so New York school. An upper upstate New York school. Where do they belong then? It's that's not my problem. That is, that is not up to me where they belong. What is up to me is we're talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference and you're talking about upstate New York. That, that they just Well hold up then. How what the hell are we doing in the Big Ten then? The Big Ten didn't go past Ohio since till nineteen ninety two. We are in the wrong conference then. We probably are. And but it's the 
people that say they should go back to the ACC, is, it's gone. There's no ACC. The ACC that I knew and loved and thought it was the biggest darn deal they deal the ACC tournament. I mean, I remember when it used to be hard to get a tournament ticket. That should tell you where all this stuff has ended up, that you can go to the ACC tournament or the Big Ten tournament, both in New York City, neither one of which belong in New York City. Now, the one team you didn't bring up that really got screwed by all of this is Connecticut. Connecticut oh, yeah. was a part of the Big East when the Big East was good. Boy, did they get left out of the mix. Once again, not my problem, and good luck to Randy Edsel up there in stores, Connecticut. Let's go back to what this is supposed to be about. If the ACC that we know and loved didn't exist when Maryland left, what did we lose other than a few games against Carolina and Duke? Those few, a few games, and I will agree that we didn't... I, I never saw the ACC or the Big East of the old days when it was every game was a sellout, must-see event. But I did see games that were you know, had energy to them that were fun to go to. Well, the games now are fun to go to. I'm. You guys remember those Carolina and Duke games we went to when, when they were... Yeah. When we could beat the number one... And this is just in basketball. Now, in football, before we get too far for this, I feel that Maryland plays against the Hall of Fame almost every week at football in the Big Ten. But is that, is that a good thing? Well, I think this is mostly about basketball right now. So let me go back. You guys remember those games when it was worth. Yeah, of course, but when Maryland is good, I feel the same thing happens now. But it didn't used to be a prerequisite that we were good. That was the, That's my biggest issue is it, even if we're playing, you know, number 20 Purdue, it's Purdue. I mean, I know they're a good basketball school and all, but we don't have a relationship with them. And that, yeah, we could at some point in the future. But we were original. We were a founding charter member of the ACC in 1953. Even if you were playing NC State or Wake Forest, you at least had some history behind it. Now you're playing Northwestern or I don't know, some, throw out someone else. Illinois, Ohio, Illinois, even Ohio State to a degree. It's like it's fine. It's cool, but it, there's nothing to it. So, okay, that is a valid point, but no more or less valid than thinking back at the when it was still called the Comcast Center and Miami rolls in and there's 12,000 people there. Virginia Tech or what about, up what about when um, Pitt rolled in? Or when you go to BC and if you don't count the hot dog vendor, there's less than five people in the building. It, 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 this, it was over before it was over. And that's the problem I have is that everybody, and I think everybody has this problem where these games aren't as big a deal anymore. I don't know if it's because every game is on television. I don't know if it's because you guys love your cell phones more than being someplace. Although you Whoa. You, no, you can't say that about us. About you. About me. About you. What about you, Jordan? Would you rather go? Jordan's the one watching the FCS beat the D1 teams at the in the stadium when Maryland's flying. Which game was that? I feel like that might have happened. I don't know which game that was. It was Jacksonville State was playing Auburn, and Jordan was watching it on his phone. Okay, that was, that was like when you're playing FIU, though. That's different. <laughs> All right, that's probably different. But I don't know between blaming you guys, which I not, don't intend to do. I'm not sure who's really the net result of this. Our backdrop, although you can't see it, um, over Mason's head is a picture of Cole Fieldhouse, a, a watercolor. In the middle is Kenny Tate and Alex Wujak after a big play in College Park. And then dead center in front of all of us is uh, the, the Wall of Maryland back from the early 2000s when all this stuff was going on. But I, let's move 
let's move to the late 2000s when all this stuff seemed to go wrong. You build Tyser Tower. The contract value listed by Clark Construction is $44,900,000. And then the conference doesn't seem to come up to bat for Maryland when they needed it most. Did that tell you that it was time to go? And the needing it most is that Maryland somehow managed to run out of money. Um, if you go to your partners, and I'm not naming names, I don't know everything that happened, but if you go to your business partners, and the ACC and Maryland were in business together, say, look, we got a problem here, we're going broke, we need a little bit of help, and they say it's, it's not our job. And somebody else shows up and says, hey, we'll give you 40-something million dollars a year if you come over here. And you take the money, have you sold your soul? Is this all about money? I think, I know that Maryland was up against the corner here. No one is going to dispute that. We were up against the wall, and we were about to default on our loans. And the structure of the athletic department where, you can, where a state institution can default on their loans is a bit beyond me, to be honest. But it's a really hard question to answer, because I think to a degree, yes, you did, but I don't know if you had a choice. Yes, yes you did what? You didn't. You kind of sold your soul, but the alternative was to go bankrupt. So, does anybody know what happens if Maryland defaults on said payments? Well, then they started running out of money. They couldn't pay uh, coaches as much as somebody else. I mean, you got to remember who we're up against. Uh, in even ju- just in the general population of large universities, we lost coaches to Michigan. We lost a baseball coach to Michigan. Recently, we lost a volleyball coach to Indiana for what I believe is money. But we're talking about a few years ago. Maryland had to cut sports. They cut every corner possible. The football practice facilities were not nearly up to big-time standards. The basketball team still wanted a practice facility. That has not been fixed yet. The stadium, which you have spent many days of your life in, Mason, needs some new scoreboards. Probably needs a bit of a renovation for that football stadium. Just been short of money since I can remember. Always been short of money, but it got really bad. You said it was $44-$45 million. I seem to remember the number of around 50-some-odd million dollars being in the hole, and there was no money. This was the recession, 2007-2008. All of a sudden, the economy went kaflooey on us. And right after we invested all this money, and we, being Maryland fans, expected those suites to sell. Debbie Yao expected those suites in what I call the USS Terrapin. It looks like somebody plopped the love boat on the sideline at Maryland. And the suites didn't sell. And the ticket sales started to go down. So Debbie and the, the team started to look at why can't we sell tickets? Whose fault is this? You know, eventually, they collectively, even after Debbie left, Ralph got blamed and said he couldn't sell enough tickets, said the program was going in the wrong direction, and you guys talked about that last week. So what exactly would have happened? Would they have come and taken the university away? Probably not, but it would have been ugly. Maybe the state would have stepped up, but there is a division in Maryland between where where most states will back the sports programs. Most state legislatures of the state economy backs the university. At Maryland, it's not like that. The athletic department sort of stands on its own. The scholarship money the Terrapin Club raises, if they don't make uh, all the money they need through donations, 
to for these scholarships, it's not like the great state of Maryland comes in and writes a check. The department goes into debt. Other states, the state will come in and fund that gap if there is a gap. Not so here. So there was more pressure than most people know in trying to find another revenue source. The ACC was paying below 20 million. The Big Ten offers over 40 million. You don't have enough money to make it today. I almost want to throw out there the what do you what do you want somebody to do? In some cases, the Big Ten came in and saved our rear end. Yeah, and on average, right now the Big Ten payout is 33 and a half million, and the ACC has risen recently with the 14 teams to 27.6 million. But you can sign your own media contract. Well, I remember back was all the Jefferson Pilot. And uh, Piedmont Airline was a big sponsor, and they'd have the games on every once in a while. I think the, this change that the Big Ten Network, I think, has actually done a really good job and really spread the Big Ten brand around. I think they, they are great. Is that Maryland share today, or is that a full share? No, that's an average share. But the way the Big Ten works, and this is, I, I don't entirely know this one, to be honest, but there's a really, really, really wide gap in how much Big Ten schools make on payouts. Because Ohio State made almost $37 million in payouts, and Illinois made $22 million, which is basically how you get the 20, you know, $33 million kind of in the middle there. So I don't know what Maryland's making, but I'm assuming it's towards the bottom end there. I don't think so. I don't either. I think Maryland's around was supposed to be around 40 when they get their full share. Now, Nebraska this year gets a full share. They came in a few years before Maryland. Yeah, and... No- Honestly, even if we're looking at it from a different angle, Maryland sells tickets to basketball. Illinois has been down in the dumps in both major sports recently. So if it's by year by year, that's how you get the numbers. You know what? Well, I think Todd Carton knows how this works, so we'll ask him and we'll uh, give you the financial breakdown on this maybe next time. Oh, speaking of Todd, I did want to bring up one more thing before we wrap it up here. I think non-refs have taken a huge hit from the move maybe more than anybody else because you could always go no matter what sport it was duke north carolina some in virginia sometimes you can always get people to show up for non-revs and even if we're playing northwestern in field hockey i don't feel like a lot of people are showing up to non-rep sports anymore that is not true attendance records have been broken since in just off the top of my head field hockey women's lacrosse men's lacrosse with recently Men's soccer, surprisingly. I mean, they start to break more and more people, because the game is on TV, on BTN, in my mind, more people see the crew at the soccer game. They're like, I got to go out and see that. If if it wasn't for Bruce, we wouldn't have gotten out to see that probably till now. Probably not, but UCLA came in, and that was a huge crowd two years ago. Yeah, I miss, when you come down to it, Maryland misses playing Duke and Carolina and a couple of those other games. Uh, be nice to play Clemson football once again, but they're the national championship level, and probably that score would not go in our favor. As far as the rest of it, eh, as you rightly pointed out, BC, Virginia Tech, Miami, not playing them is no big deal. I I just miss the teams, the team of my youth when I grew up, and I was a Maryland fan. There are only seven or eight teams in this conference. You played every team at home and away and let me tell you if we actually run this Big Ted schedule and we do play every team home and away in a few years after playing them through all that if you win a couple conference champion get to the championship game you play a couple of these teams three times 
you'll find a way not to like them. These games will become important if you're a fan. The way they do it now, you might play somebody once a year. Eh. I mean, there's no way we're going to develop a football rivalry with Iowa. We, we play them once every four or five years. They were supposed to. Illinois. We haven't played them yet. We've been in the Big Ten for years. We haven't played Illinois in a football game yet. So it's hard to develop rivalries when you don't play the teams. And on that note, I want to thank you guys for having me in. And I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. I know Bruce called you out positively. A positive call. Shout out to you guys on the big show on 1300 CBS Sports Radio. And, uh, you know, sometimes your reach and the numbers that you get uh, rival what we get on the actual radio station. So you guys are doing a great job. And thanks for having me on. And I'll turn this back over to uh, Mason and Jordan to land this plane. But before you land it, this has been brought to you by Viner Four Gates Consulting in Rockville. And you can reach us online at www.viner, the numeral four, gates.com. Or give us a call at 301-251-2900. What's up next week, guys? Well, Kevin Herter will be drafted by then, Jordan. And hopefully Justin Jackson, unless we forget about him, because I almost just did. And to me, it seems like Bruno Fernando should still be getting drafted uh, next week, too. I'm happy he's not, though. Yeah, so am I. And, well, the off-season topic list will be taken from again next week. Unless something horrible happens, or something amazing happens. Yes, we'll get back into the off-season topic list. And I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, thanks for listening.